Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. My name is Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. We're very excited about today's lesson. We are on the final Tuesday of the Lord's life, and it is a day of controversy, a day of trial and tribulation, but one that Jesus shines forth brightly in. We'll be looking at the parables of the two sons, parable of the vineyard and the parable of the wedding garment. The parable of the two sons is found in Matthew chapter 21 verses 28 through 32. It's also found in Mark chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 20 but we're going to focus our efforts on Matthew's account. So Matthew chapter 21 verses 28 through 32. Ross? But what do you think? A man had two sons And he came to the first and said, Son, go, work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, The first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. You know, it's interesting because this is the first of two parables that Jesus is going to be presenting that are directly focused upon the leaders of the Jews. Uh, They were designed to pronounce sentence on themselves if they would but only listen to what had to be said. Anyhow, we have an individual beginning with two sons. You know, some have asked, why just two sons? Well, when you get right down to it, there are only two types of people in the world those being those who have accepted God's will and rendered their obedience, and those who do not. In this case, we see one refusing to do God's will, then repenting and doing it. We see one promising to do God's will, then failing or refusing to do it. The inevitable question then is, who was the obedient son? Jesus puts himself directly in this story to the audience. The chief priests and the elders of the people can no longer hide behind feigned ignorance. They're forced to answer. Even though they realize that the parable talks about the ecclesiastical hierarchy of Israel. They say that the son, who at first refused but later changed his mind, did the will of his father. Jesus illustrates what the story of the father and the two sons really means in the spiritual context of his day. 
The first son, says Jesus, is the personification of the tax collectors and the prostitutes who are living a sinful life and who have refused to do the will of God. But when John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance with the forgiveness of sins, Mark chapter 1 verse 4, the social and moral outcasts of society repented, believed, and entered the kingdom of God. Thus, they did the will of the Father. You know, Jesus, uh, he didn't say it here, but if he had said, what man among you, having two sons, would not prefer one over the other? Uh, I mean, from a human perspective, I can say, uh, I would much rather have a son who initially told me no and then felt badly and repented than one who merely paid lip service to the idea. There's a proverb that says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. Uh, there's just no redeeming value for someone who says they're going to do something and then does not do it. And uh, it's interesting to note the respect, uh, well, I should call it the lip service uh, to respect in verse 30, because the second son who says that he will but does not says, I go, sir. I mean, that's what we teach our children, our sons, right? To you call me sir, right? You be respectful, and they're just uh, they're just paying lip service without the intention of doing it. The second son portrays the attitude of the religious leaders of the Jews, of the Jews during Jesus's day. They are the ones who do everything for men to see. They are the people who do not practice what they preach. John the Baptist came to them, showing them the way of righteousness. They listened to his words, but did not believe. They simply ignored him. They saw, however, that the tax collectors accepted John's message and were baptized. Nevertheless, they rejected God's purpose for themselves, refusing to be baptized by John. That's Luke chapter 7 and verse 30. I think the application of the parable is dynamic. Tax collectors and prostitutes had refused to obey the will of God. Yet when they heard the message of repentance, they turned to God in obedience. The religious leaders who presumably were experts in the law of God put on an outward show of compliance. Inwardly, however, they refused to accept the word of God, whether it came via the written words of the prophets or the spoken word of John the Baptist and Jesus. They were like the son who said to his father, I will, sir, but did not. Okay, Jesus continues on with his discourse, turning his attention now to the people. I think Luke makes that clear. But the leaders are still listening. They were probably still feeling the sting from the message of the previous parable. So we'll find ourselves now in Matthew chapter 21, verse 33 through 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower. Then he leased it to vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his fruit. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they did the same things to them. 
But afterward he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take possession of his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? They said to him, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and lease the vineyard to other vine growers, who will pay him the fruit in proper seasons. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures? A stone which the builders rejected, this has become the chief cornerstone. This came from about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and on whomever it falls it will crush him. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. And although they sought to arrest him, they feared the crowd since they considered him to be a prophet. In this particular one, the householder represents God while the vineyard represents the Jewish nation. We can see in the description how well blessed and protected the nation had been. The rulers of the Jews were represented by the husbandmen given charge of the vineyard. God expected the Jews to bring forth goodly fruits, love, joy, peace, and so on. He looked to the leaders to bring forth such results. He sent the prophets to the rulers and the people to encourage them to those results. The rulers abused, mistreated, and killed the messengers of God. So he sent a son, representative of Jesus. The householder was tender and forgiving, unwilling to resort to extreme measures. Surely the husbandman would reverence his son. But how did they treat him? They killed him. What were the leaders of the Jews plotting at that very moment to do to Jesus? They were plotting to kill him. What would the householder do to those husbandmen? That was the question Jesus asked, and they answered correctly. He would destroy those miserable men and let out the vineyard to other husbandmen who would do the right and bring forth the proper fruits. You know, I wonder if when the Jews heard this parable, if they if they remembered Isaiah, because a lot of the same things are said about the vineyard in Isaiah. When God spoke in chapter 5, My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with choice vine. He built a tower in its midst. He also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? And so just as as you pointed out, Greg, uh, he expected it to bring forth good fruit. And these these servants, uh, they didn't seem to understand their proper role, their position in the vineyard. It says in verse 33 that he leased it to the vine dressers, and yet they are thinking of themselves as the as the as the landowner. Uh, they don't understand that they are managers. They are stewards. Uh, they're trying to to act like this is uh, this is their nation, and that the authority that they have. Uh, 
is uh, is is their own, and yet, um, so that's why we see their response, their violent response to the uh, master in uh, sending the servants to them. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out too is that in verse thirty-seven it says, "Last of all, he sent his son to them, saying." they will respect my son. I think this is a great example of how a, a parable uh, could be taken too far, that we need to be, be careful here not to make application that is not intended. Uh, would we say that the landowner who represents God uh, was, uh, was surprised by their reaction? Did God really say when he sent Jesus uh, into the vineyard, uh, that they would respect his son, and was he surprised by their rejection? Well, we know that's not the case, because uh, Acts 2, verse 23, says that Jesus being handed over was a part of the predetermined plan and happened by the foreknowledge of God. Yeah, to the, the slaves um, here representing those that have been sent prior to Jesus' um, arrival on earth, and when you think of, I mean, all these Old Testament um, people that did a lot of wondrous things, some uh, miracles, of course, um, with God's hand being in them and great teachings, and yet some of them were exactly what happens to the, the slaves in this uh, parable, is that some were killed, some were beaten, some were stoned, um, and they saw these great signs, heard these great things. Then, uh, just as Ross was talking about, the sun comes down, and even then, and the Son of God, came to this planet, came to where we are, and it was the same as to verse 38 and 39, that we killed him. Um, and certainly, we weren't there physically, but we would have done the exact same thing. I'm just how blessed we are that now, we have all of this written down, and yet still, we can look at it and say, I, I, don't, want, I don't want to read it, or I'm going to neglect it, or it's a, I view it as a chore to read it, instead of looking at it as the life-giving word that it is, and understanding um, not to, to, to respect the word and what we've been given and use it as the tool that it is, not to be rejecting of what God has given us as the, um, the vine growers were in this parable. Okay, let's go ahead and look at the, the next parable. We're looking at Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranges a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. 
So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But then the king came in to see the guests, and he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Greg, there's one thing I want to point out about this parable of the vineyard. It's the way that it concluded. Uh, and all of these three stories that we looked at are all combined. They're all showing the, the rejection of the Jews and how God offered salvation to the Gentiles. Uh, but Jesus ended that vineyard parable with a question. What will he do to those vine dressers? And this seems to be a moment where Jesus, kind of like Nathan to David, King David, uh, just really ensnared them. They don't seem to have made the connection as to what Jesus was teaching because they, they played right along. What will he do? Uh, just like David, I, I'm going to kill that. I'm going to kill that man who did this. Well, they said, uh, well, he's going to destroy these wicked men and he's going to give it to those who are worthy. And uh, basically Jesus says, well, that's exactly right. And therefore I say to you that the kingdom will be taken to you and given to a nation bearing its fruit. And from that point here, it says that the chief priests and Pharisees applauded how they might lay hands on him, but were not able. So then the wedding feast parable. You know, it's interesting as as we think about this wedding feast, many guests were invited to the wedding of a king's son but few honored the invitation. Most treated it with neglect, even scorn, making all kinds of very excuses why they would not come to the wedding. Others took the servants of the king who delivered the invitation and abused and killed them. So after the destruction of those wicked people, the king extended his invitation to those out in the highways, both good and bad, they would be separated when the king came. The ones initially represent the Jews. The servants abused and killed represent the prophets and the Lord. The city of murderers was representative of Jerusalem. The people called in from the highways are representative, I believe, as you mentioned, Ross, of the Gentiles. And the coming of the king to the wedding feast pictures the coming of the Lord in final judgment. Not a difficult parable to understand, but one that riled the leaders of the Jews up somewhat. And it's going to continue as we go throughout this this day, this Tuesday of the final week of the Lord's life. Now it's just unheard. Un, it's unthinkable. It's unheard of that anyone would receive the invitation of a king to a, the, a feast and the marriage of his son. That would be that would be a most supreme honor. And so the fact that anyone would have rejected that or even made light of it is just uh, unthinkable. Uh, and I'm interested, intrigued by the statement in verse 10 where it says they went out to the highways and gathered together all whom they found both bad and good. Well, who are these good? <laughs> I thought all of us, I, I thought there were none who were good, right? Who are, the, who are these good? I think this is an example of the scriptures using accommodatively the concept of, uh, look, there are, 
there are people about whom we speak who are just kind of good moral people. They're not saved by their morality, but they're the neighbor that you'd like to like to live next door to. They're friendly. They're thoughtful. Um, and yet, j- just like men like Cornelius, a good man, devout, and yet his uh, his goodness was still not enough to save him. He still needed the gospel. So whether you're harlot, tax collector, uh, evil sinner, and the world recognizes that, you just kind of wear your sin on your sleeve, or your sins are or uh, are not something that is 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 as easily visible. We all have sin and a debt that we cannot repay. I'm intrigued by um, verse verse twelve and, and thirteen. Certainly, with the the servant that is going to or the person that's invited that is going to um, get to the wedding, but does not come with wedding clothes and. The king's going to say to the servants to tie his hands and his feet and throw them in the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, we certainly know um, that to be to be hell is what is being talked about in verse 13. And so it's um, how how does he, what, what is going on in this situation? It's that you know, we can accept the invitation, but we still have to make sure that we are doing what is done and being prepared to get there. He wasn't dressed in the way that was um, ex- expected to be at this wedding, and because of that, he's going to be tossed out. We need to clothe ourselves with the right spiritual life and traits that God has told us to, and if we don't, then we will be cast out into this place just like this man was. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the parable of the wheat and the tares, where the good and the bad were left to grow together, and at the proper time in the harvest, the separation between the good and the bad took place. I kind of think this is the same way, where they're going to have good and bad, but at the time of the harvest, then it will be made clear who was the good and who was the bad. You know, um, I guess uh, according to the custom, a king would provide garments for the guests because it was understood that uh, many would not be able to properly adorn themselves for such an occasion. And that does fit with what God has done for us. Isaiah 61 verse 10 praises God for uh, it's saying, For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and covered me with robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and a bride adorns herself with jewels. And so God has provided these things for us. And Revelation adds uh, in chapter 19, 8, that the fine linen, the you know robes and the fine linen that we wear as saints uh, is symbolic of the righteous acts of the saints. Well, when we get to judgment and, uh, and God does not find that we have been engaging in the righteous acts, you know, where we've not been bearing fruit for him, He's going to say, why did you not put on my, my robes, which I gave you? I also found it interesting as we kind of jump back up to the beginning of the parable of the, the marriage feast, um, the, the garment, is, is certainly the idea of the, the ones that were invited. And in terms of the excuse that was made there, um, or the different excuses they could have had, and um, they paid no attention, go to their own businesses, to their farms, different things. Um, for us, are we neglecting the call of God too? I'm certainly saying uh, I'd rather do this or just giving no attention to it at all. 
um, because that, that, that day will come and we need to be prepared. Um, and if not, we're going to end up like those mentioned in this parable. Okay, that's going to have to do it for this episode today. We appreciate each and every one of you who is listening, and we encourage you to visit our website, www.nkcofc.com. And we'll look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, thanks for listening.